This is Get Your Love on Radio. My name is Julie Bueller. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. We're streaming live at RadioRemnant.org every Sunday from 9 to 11 Pacific Time and right here on 100.1 FM Remnant Radio. Uh, Just a little housekeeping. I don't know if you've been able to check it out yet, but we do have some awesome videos on YouTube. If you go to Get Your Love On on YouTube, there's some incredible instruction. Um, The Sermon on the Mount has been the theme that we've been putting together, and they're awesome. They're about 15 minutes long each, so you'll really get blessed and be able to watch as many as you have time for. And if you uh, have a little bit of a busy schedule, then you know you can adjudicate that appropriately for yourself as well. But Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We also have our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All get your love on. All for you to kind of keep up to date with what's going on about the show. You can also go to getyourloveon.org for all the links, where to listen, and that video page, too, that kind of combines everything that's on YouTube for you. So excited for today's show. Have some incredible encouragement for you. So let's crank up the volume and let's sit down, get comfortable. Hopefully you got some coffee. Juices are flowing. My juices are flowing. And I'm excited to share this word with you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. We're going to start in chapter 10, verse 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that incredible? There is warfare going on and our weapons are mighty through God. Now, God is the creator of the entire known and unknown universe. (laughs) So that might is insurmountable. It cannot be beat. That might of our weapons of warfare is eternally powerful. Let's go to Ephesians 6. We'll start in verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So a lot of people try to do this on their own, and they try to kind of find strength in and of themselves or through other means. But the word of God is very clear. We want to be strong in the Lord. How do we do that? Well, it starts with reading our word and knowing our word. That's number one. And then believing God, believing all of it too. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So probably a good idea to know the power of his might. If we're going to be strong in it, we got to know it for ourselves in our own hearts, in our own minds as individuals, not what someone else tells you, but Because we're each taking step by step in this path towards God, with God. That's how we learn of the power of his might, through living the word. It says, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt with the 
with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you should be able, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How do we fight spiritual warfare? In the word of God, knowing our word and proclaiming God's righteousness. So it's true we're in some unique times and and it does seem that they are very unique. And, and, you know, you keep hearing this quote, the new normal, the new normal, but it's not. It's actually maybe some unique circumstances, but the spiritual warfare is nothing new. You know what else isn't new? God's incredible power and authority on full display, full display, because it's always on full display to those who hold that shield of faith and actively quench those fiery darts of the wicked. So let's meet some mighty men of God who did exactly that. And as we go through these scriptures, I want to encourage you to take full liberty to ask God to give you these same personalities, the same strength, the same boldness and tenacity. A little bit later on in the show, we're going to feature one of our favorite ministers. Her name's Trish. She's lived the word. And, and because of that, has walked through some very fiery trials. And she's going to give us some examples of that. And she's also going to give us some incredible examples of how to allow God's great power and authority, how to access it in our own lives. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be very encouraging. It is a sobering message because she does talk about some very real issues like depression and suicidal thoughts. And these are real issues, my beloved friends, that are devastating to families and lives if they aren't addressed properly. So we are going to do that, and we're going to give you the word and how God is the great deliverer. So let's let's go to these great men in the Old Testament. Let's start in Daniel chapter 1. And again, Let's, let's ask God to give us, each of us, these same personalities, the same strength, the boldness, and the tenacity that we are going to read about right now. This is Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the third year of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. He took it over. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So the king Nebuchadnezzar, who just took over Jerusalem, saying, hey, go get me some of the really smart, go get me the best of the children of Israel, and we'll try to convert them to become more like us. In verse 5, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel made this determination in his heart. Now, this king Nebuchadnezzar besieged all of Israel and then decided, yeah, let's take some of the best of their men and make them like us. So you have to imagine the land was um, obviously war-stricken. And you can imagine, too, that those who were taken captives were not necessarily well-treated. But Daniel looked past those circumstances and looked straight to the heart of God and said, here's my heart, Lord. I don't want to be defiled by their other gods and by their wicked ways because Daniel also recognized the slippery slope. When you have high standards and when you're serving God Almighty, Satan's number one tactic is to slowly chip away, chip away at one thing or another and, and allow that deterioration of your standards. But when we have a heart after God, God won't allow that. So as we purpose our own hearts to stay pure before God, to say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, my strength and my redeemer. That's a psalm. As we do that, God will back us up 110%. Let's find out how he did it for Daniel, because Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. It says verse 9, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of eunuchs. Isn't that neat? God was already well ahead of Dan Daniel, setting things up to give Daniel and his friends the victory. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but hey, God always wins. So spoiler alert, if you're wondering what happens, God wins. So let's find out how. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink, then let our countenances be looked upon before you, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. Daniel saying, look, we'll prove ourselves. We believe in God. We know God's only righteous and will always back us up. So let's give it 10 days, see what happens. You know, another place in the scriptures, um, in Malachi 3, it talks, God actually says, look, prove me out. Malachi 3 verse 10, it says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. When we're obedient with, with what God asks of us, he says, look, prove me now therewith. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Wow, God doesn't just give a little bit. He gives in abundance when we're willing to step out on faith and say, okay, Lord, I'll be obedient. I'm not, my heart's purpose not to be defiled, not to allow the world to chip away at my standards, my Holy Ghost standards, 
my righteous standards. Yeah, Daniel's saying, prove us. We'll prove it to you. And then let the results speak for themselves. I love that. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. What happened? And at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. You see how the Lord richly poured out those heavenly blessings to them? Now, you can't get wisdom and learning and and skill and knowledge except it comes from God Almighty. And he poured out to them because Daniel purposed in his heart. So again, as we hear about these things, and, you know, Christ is the Word made flesh. So all these personalities, all these real examples, we can say, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, give me this same outlook, this same purpose of heart, this same conviction to stand no matter what. And then watch how God does that and and then pours out even more abundantly. As for these children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, And among them all was found none, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So if we want to surpass any and all of the worldly expectations, if we want to surpass, tenfold surpass. I love this. God doesn't do anything little. He does things mightily because he is mighty. And that's why when Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6 to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, this is what he's talking about. Yes, sometimes it is a very physical strength, but but more often than not, It's a quiet humility, and it's gaining in knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And that when a king or a person of power inquires of us, we will have those answers, those perfect answers, straight from the heart of God. And we won't be bewildered by any of the unique circumstances that may come upon the land. Now, again, these young men were just taken from their family, this King Nebuchadnezzar just besieged Jerusalem and took these men from their family. That had to be very uncomfortable and and unique for them as well. And instead of being scared or worried or even wondering what's going to happen to me, Daniel purposed in his heart not to allow his holy standards to fall. And God gave him this incredible victory and his friends, these four children, God gave them all because of that righteous stance from Daniel. Isn't that incredible? So in verse 21, this is 
Daniel chapter 1, verse 21. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Okay, let's go to Daniel 2 now. Now the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream. And get this, he commanded the wise men to not only tell him his dream, but also interpret what it meant. (laughs) Well, Daniel prayed because he was a man of God. He prayed and God gave him the answers. So we'll skip down to verse 27. It says, Daniel answered in the presence of the king. Here was his answer after much prayer and supplication before God. God, give me the answer. Here's what he said to the king. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thine he- of thy head upon thy bed are these. And then... Daniel went forth and gave a perfect interpretation. So we'll skip down to verse 46 here. Then, and here was the results of this. So now King Nebuchadnezzar, let's just keep track of this a little bit because King Nebuchadnezzar stole these men out of their home and then found them to be 10 times more wise and skilled and of greater understanding than all the other big shots that he had in his court. And then Daniel just proved yet again that because he went to God, he got his answers. And this is the results. Another scripture is how forcible are right words. (laughs) Here are the results of right words. Verse 46, this again is Daniel 2. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshiped Daniel, commanded and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods. Capital G-O-D, your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. Seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he should set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So again, this incredible strength and singular determination to have a heart after God set Daniel on a course to not only be in the king's house, which is the results of him saying, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to take their ways on. I'm going to do it God's way. And I will let God's way play out. Isn't that wonderful that he did that? And then his friends too. And so he was able to make a place for his friends as well. And the king set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Okay, I have a really neat treat for you here now, too, because we're going to take a a little musical break. This song is called Dare 
to be a Daniel. I'm going to ask you to really tune into the lyrics because they're incredible. This song was performed by a children's choir in the Pacific Northwest. The soloist, his name is Alex. He was 12 at the time. And the lyrics are amazing. So here we go. This is called Dare to Be a Daniel. And um, it's the the soloist that performed it had never sung before a group of people before. So that's another reason that I just, I love this song. Here you go. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, and dare to make it known. Isn't that wonderful? And and in today's day and age, this is so desperately needed. Strong men and women of God to stand and make their purpose known and let anyone and everyone that would uh, oppose that purpose also know that the stance is not temporary, but it is eternal. This is Get Your Love on Radio. My name is Julie Bueller. So happy to have you here today on this beautiful Sunday morning. We are walking with a great man of God named Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We just went through how they were taken from their homeland uh, by a, a King Nebuchadnezzar who besieged Jer- Jerusalem and then wanted to try to convert the children of Israel to his ways and to his gods. And through standing in righteousness, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, not only became 10 times more successful than all the other people that the king tried to convert, but they also proved themselves to be wise and of great understanding and were brought into the king's palace. And it says, Daniel sat in the gate of the king through his righteous stances. So that's, that's a great example 
of standing standing up and saying, here are God's ways. Here's how I'm going to set my heart to pursue God's ways and only God's ways. So we can all dare to be a Daniel. Isn't that wonderful? I really rejoice, too, in hearing these young voices sing that forth because young people that have been besieged spiritually for so long, um, being able to be young and have that strength and know who you are in God's eyes is an incredible advantage. So moms, dads, please take that time with your children. Get in the word with them. Pour out that strength and, and these same principles to them and teach them. They too can stand as Daniel and his friends stood. And again, Christ is the word made flesh. So Christ has all these personalities in who he is in the Holy Spirit. So when we're baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, we have these same personalities in us. And we can ask God, Lord, make me more like Daniel. Lord, give me the boldness of Daniel. Lord, give me the wisdom of Solomon. Lord, give me the strength of Apostle Paul. We can ask for that. And it says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's John 14, 14. So let's ask largely of God. He is pouring out in abundance to all those who will ask. All right, let's continue because we're just scratching the surface with these great men of God. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3 now. And again, this King Nebuchadnezzar just got done falling on his face in chapter 2, falling on his face and saying unto Daniel, It is of a truth that your God is a God of gods and Lord of kings. So he just gave God that reverence and recognized God Almighty's authority. Okay, let's see what happens in chapter three. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. Oh, whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof of six cubits. And he set it in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So he's going back to worshiping these false idols. Why? Romans 8, 7 has the answer. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's mortal enemy. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So as we watch um, the deterioration of some societies, including here in America, there's some really big spiritual warfare going on. And we're watching a, a significant deterioration in certain cities, outright destruction. And a lot of people are asking the question, why? And Romans 8, 7 is your answer. It's because that's the carnal mind. Those are the fleshly minded people. And they're not subject to the law of God and, and can't be. So they are running their course. And let's see how this works out <laughs> for those that are carnally minded. Let's see if it, if it works out to be better, if it's better to be spiritually minded or carnally minded. Let's see what the Word of God has to say about that. Now, again, spoiler alert, I did tell you earlier in the show that God only wins. He's always victorious. So that's another clue there. Let's go to verse 2. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king set to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. 
Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And they stood before the image that he set up. So he's calling all the so-called leaders of the land, all the most powerful people of the land together to see this new thing that he built. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the sultry, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. This is the commandment. Anytime you hear music, you've got to worship this false idol. That's what the king was saying. That's the whole game plan of the carnal mind, of the natural mind. Worship something else other than God Almighty. And then what's interesting too here is they're using music, which for the children of Israel, music was a huge part of them praising God and rejoicing in the Lord. It was a huge part of their lives. It's a huge part of our lives today. So the fact that Satan tried to use music as the impetus to worship false gods, again, nothing new. All right. Isn't that what's happening right now? So, so much of the music is is nothing more than idol worship. And it's nothing more than bringing in these false ideals. So again, there's nothing new under the sun. And, you know, we mentioned earlier how we, it's a, we're in the middle of spiritual warfare. Well, isn't it cool that we know Satan's tactics every single time? Because they're the same. They were the same in Daniel's time. The same tactics of, oh, we want to convert you to our way. We're going to try to convince you that our way is better. Nope, I stand on the word of God. I stand in God's ways. That's it. And now here we have false idols being resurrected and commandments from a king to bow down and worship these false idols. And there are serious consequences. Verse 6, And whoso falleth not down and worship, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So if you don't do what the king says, you're same hour being thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. One of the most painful ways to, to die is in the burning, fiery furnace. And again, that is to bring fear into the hearts and minds of people, Right? Fall down and worship these false gods or you're, or you're dead. That's what they were saying right here. Fall down and worship or be afraid. Always afraid. Again, Satan's tactics are really um, evident in today's day and age. And they were very obvious back here too. So as we know our word, as we read our word for ourselves... And ask God to show us, Lord, how does this apply to my life? Lord, make this personal for me. I want you and me on a journey. I want, I want your God to be so real to you that there's no way that if a false idol is before you, you'd fall down and worship it. 
That's what we're here to do on Get Your Love On is to allow God to become so personal because you know him so well and he knows you so well that you will stand no matter what and march forward in the grace, wisdom, and strength of God Almighty. Because that is for us. That is our life. That's what we're meant to do. That's our purpose on this earth is to be the Daniels, is to dare to be the Daniels. And through the strength of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who already overcame everything, who already gave us all this strength, we will be the Daniels of this land. It says in verse 7, Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Yeah, bunch of sheep. We don't, we're scared of the consequences. We'll follow whatever rules you make, no matter how bizarre, no matter how asinine they are. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll acquiesce. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, then here we go. Let's see what happens when some men of God come on the scene. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. We're going to flatter the king. We're going to act like everything's okay. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down in worship, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Oh, these Chaldeans are, are tattletaling. They're tattling on righteous men of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. So he was so mad that people, that there were righteous men of God that wouldn't just bow, that wouldn't just follow directions, that wouldn't just go along with what his plan was. Well, they had good reason to. They serve God Almighty, not some immature panty waist king. That's why they wouldn't bow to his images because they they believe God. And with and it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what they were doing. That's what these men were doing. And Nebuchadnezzar in his outrageousness, it was upset with them. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Are you, are you keying in on the arrogance of this man right here? Are, are you getting a little wise to some of the tactics of Satan? I'll tell you, there's a lot of arrogance, a lot of arrogance swimming around this land. So we combat it with the word of God. We combat it with the knowledge of God. We stand against it with the love of God through Christ, through Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and knowing the right answers here. Okay, this is uh, verse 15. So he goes through again. Now, if you be ready that at the time, 
I'm um, to make sure I'm at the right verse, and I am. Okay, now if ye be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made, that's fine. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Ooh, again, the arrogance, but also a very good question. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, thank God, have an exceptional answer. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. (laughs) Great answer, gentlemen. Great answer. Hey, we believe in God. He can deliver us. And if not, you got no shot with us serving you anyway. So I'd give my life for the word of God. Again, that's that's the righteous stance. Because there's nothing, there's, there's nothing left if we don't stand. There's nothing left to stand for. If we don't stand for righteousness, who will? And here we go, verse 19. It says, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of this burning, fiery furnace. How comfortable do you think it was for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, after taking that righteous stand, after having those simple few words, <laughs> they didn't make a big deal out of it. They just said, here you go, king. Here's our answer. We're standing for righteousness. It's that simple. Then they were bound in their coats. How comfortable do you think that was for them? How easy do you think that was? Probably uh, very, very difficult. Extremely uncomfortable extremely painful. And then they were thrown into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Again, you know, just standing next to that thing would be very, very difficult and very, very uncomfortable. They were thrown into it. Let's see what happens. Therefore, this is verse 22. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That furnace was so hot, it killed the men that threw our men of God in there. That's how hot it was. Then, says verse, and then verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? 
They answered and said unto him, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Isn't that incredible? Not only was the fire so hot that it killed those other guys, it didn't touch Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It didn't. They were obviously loosed from those things that had previously bound them. That's a key factor that God does. He looses those that are bound. He frees those who are bound. Even if the world is the one doing the bondage, God is so mighty and so powerful, he can loose all that binds us. And in verse in John 14, verse 18, it says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's a promise of God straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He was walking in that fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that same spirit of God that was there with them in that fiery furnace is in each spirit-filled Christian. So why is it so important to do what is instructed in Acts 2.38? To repent and change your mind. Say, Lord, I want to do things your ways. I want to set my heart always like Daniel set his. I want that for my life, Lord. Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for the remission of sins. Why is that so important? Because it ushers in the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and all that are far off, the word says. That again is Acts 2.38. So this is quite the same, quite the change from um, what Nebuchadnezzar was expecting. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men, upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. There was absolutely no indication that anything that Nebuchadnezzar tried to do to punish them had any effect whatsoever. It was the opposite. God got his great glory and his might, his authority, and his power was on full display, not only to Nebuchadnezzar, but to all those princes, governors, captains, and counselors as well. Full display. Isn't that incredible? Again, God doesn't do little things. This is the ultimate deliverance. And this is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He will deliver us out of any fiery furnace as we trust in him, as we seek his ways, and as we walk in his ways. And in a little bit, we're going to hear from our beloved minister and our dear friend Trish, who's been through some incredible fiery furnaces herself and shares these personal experiences, and then also how to be truly delivered. So delivered that you're in a fiery furnace and there's no singe of your hair. Not a hair on your head is singed. You don't even have the smell of fire. I don't know about you. If you've, if you've ever been camping, if you're anywhere near a campfire, you're going to smell like campfire. Not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
not when God's total victory was on display for all to see. So here's what happens. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants, key right here, that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Let's make sure that this is always said about each one of us, that we serve God Almighty and him alone, and that no matter what, we will stand on God's great authority and righteousness. So here again is how God flips the script on Satan. King Nebuchadnezzar made this big golden image, said, if you don't bow down and worship it, you're dead. Well, God had a different plan. It says in verse 29, therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Fact. Period. End of story. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what, the li- what our lives look like, no matter what that fiery furnace looks like, God is the great deliverer. And there is no other God that can deliver like he can. So let's trust him. Let's seek him. Let's know him. And let's walk in his ways. And it says in verse 30, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Again, that scripture, how forcible are right words? <laughs> it wasn't easy. And it surely looked very strange to them. Surely new experiences for them all. And very uh, unique circumstances if you want to be broad, speak in broad terms about it. But a very mighty victory wrought through God Almighty because those young men, first of all, stood for righteousness when the king tried to slowly take their faith from them, when he sort of tried to convert them to his ways. And he did it kind of in a little bit. Oh, just take this meat from the king. Just take this wine from the king. And they said, nope, we're not going to defile ourselves. We're going to do things God's ways. And then they were promoted. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, because again, the carnal mind is enmity against God and is not subject to the law of God. That's Romans 8, 7 again. Came up with this other, hatched this other bizarre plan to worship some false idol. Nope, not doing it. The strength of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I wonder how many people know this. Would you share it with them, please? If this is blessing you, can you please share this with everyone that needs to know that God is the great deliverer? God Almighty, no other God can deliver after this sort. So we need to know God (laughs) because there is a mighty deliverance that is needed across this land, a mighty deliverance. So many people are hurting in different ways, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's gambling addiction, drug addiction, financial trauma based on this COVID stuff and, and or just trauma based on 
a very abusive past. God delivers from all of that. My beloved friends, if you know someone that needs deliverance, please share this. Because there is no other God that can deliver. They need this word. Okay, let's go to Daniel 6 now. Again, we're, we're talking about the power and authority of God Almighty and how we can have it in our own lives as well. And we're going through some examples in the Old Testament of great men of God that stood for righteousness. So we'll, we'll go on to now Daniel 6. And there's a new sheriff in town, so to speak. There's a new man in charge. So let's start in verse 1. It says, It pleased Darius, who's the new king, to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first. And the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. What's that spirit? That's the Holy Spirit of God. That's the spirit that we have in us as we walk in the spirit, as we say, Lord, I want your Holy Spirit. Fill me up. And uh, verse 3, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Daniel had great favor with the king. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Again, when we're led by the excellent spirit of God, this will be our testimony. So here's what happens. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. <laughs> you rem- remember that flattery that they used with King Nebuchadnezzar as well? Yeah, that's another tactic of Satan that we can be well aware of. Whenever you hear that flattery, oh, king, live forever. That's flattery. Get on with it. What are you going to say? Make your point. <laughs> I don't need the flattery. Make your point. But these these were wicked men, so they often, wicked men and women often use flattery as a guise to uh, pretend to be friendly and pretend to have your best interests, but they don't. They're wicked. And so here's, let's let's see what plan they were hatching. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Oh, wow. See, again, this is a plan hatched specifically to entrap Daniel. Because they couldn't find any error in him. So they're hatching this plan. They start with the the flattery of the king. And then they make it sound so official. You hear that? We establish a royal statue and a firm decree. And they're making it sound really official. But then this is a really weird thing. <laughs> to, to not allow anyone to ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days. And then be thrown. Like, where does that make sense? See, that again is Satan's agenda. It doesn't make sense. It's totally off the off in left field. There's no reason for this. 
But they start with the flattery and then they kind of stoke his ego here. It says in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. What did this great man of God do? And his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Oh, nothing changed for this great man of God. The You know, again, the laws of this land, the decrees of man, especially those that are set up as a trap for God's righteous, they won't ever work. So as we do, we seek God, we walk in his ways, and we will be blessed. And it's that simple. And it, it always is that simple. And it says in verse 11, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, Regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but makes his petitions three times a day. So these jealous, wicked ones came to the king and tattled on Daniel. But remember, the king loved Daniel. He, he preferred Daniel over everyone else. So this was really difficult for the king to hear. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. But you know, as much as the king of this land, as much as King Darius had some power, he doesn't have the power of God Almighty. No one does except those who operate by the Holy Spirit. And then we have all the power and authority of God Almighty. So even this king could not deliver Daniel. He labored till the going, he labored all night to figure out a way, and he couldn't find it. it says in verse 15 Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statue which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Isn't that interesting? And this was the reason God wanted, God was was making a show. He's making an example here that the hand of man cannot deliver. Again, we, we learn from King Nebuchadnezzar that there is no God that can deliver of this sort. And the king, even though he was minded to deliver, Daniel couldn't. So again, we, we can't trust in princes. We can't trust in kings. We've, we only trust in God Almighty. So, But he did have confidence that God would deliver him. Isn't that wonderful? 
And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. And the king went into his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, as before him, innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. Isn't that wonderful? Again, God doesn't do things partially. He gets entire victory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had zero evidence of fire on their persons. No way or no how. No manner of hurt was found upon Daniel. Now, this den of lions was probably, you know, who knows how many lions were in there. But no manner of hurt was found on him, not a scratch. Why? Because he believed in his God. That's why. And we can rest in that same example and that same promise. As we believe in God, as we believe the word, simply believe it, then there will be no manner of hurt found upon us as we walk through these very strange circumstances. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them. Goodness, total annihilation. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion... Okay, I'm just going to... This is a truly a heart, a king that has a heart after God. What does he start with? Again, remember King Nebuchadnezzar, that the wicked king that set up the idol? He wrote unto all nations, people, and languages... If you don't fall down and worship this false idol, you're going to die. It's a fear spirit going out across the land. King Darius, who, un, who knows who God Almighty is, this is how he started his decree. Peace be multiplied unto you. Isn't that wonderful? Let's tune our ear and let's listen for those leaders that say, peace be multiplied unto you. Because those are the leaders that have a heart after God, that know, that know who has put them in a position of leadership. Peace be multiplied unto you. He says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be ever 
unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So it doesn't matter who the leader is. It doesn't matter who the person who thinks they're in charge is. What does matter is that we walk righteously before God Almighty, that we step through and know God's ways and live righteously through that, and that we know our word. And if we do that, so shall we prosper as we allow God to work in us and through us, as we take our stances for righteousness and proclaim our love and faith, resting in God's incredible power and great authority. So up next, we have a message from our dear friend and a great minister. Her name's Trish, and she's lived through similar fiery trials. And that's what gives her the strength and the compassion and the knowledge of God to be able to deliver a message like you're going to hear today. She covers some very real matters like mental health, depression, and more. And first, she's going to cover the problem and then the incredible solution and real deliverance. So let's make sure we all tune our ears and give heed because this is an incredible message on the power and authority of God. I'm going to start in 2 Thessalonians 2, and we'll start at verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now we're seeing this, I've been noticing it a lot, in the religious denominal churches. There's some other mind, there's some other spirit that's gone in on the guise of being the counsel, the word of the true living God, and it's causing souls to stumble. And it, it saddens my heart. But the one thing I do know is the true word of God delivered with the power and authority of the Holy Ghost gives clarity and it opens the minds and hearts of those faithful souls that truly, truly want the answer from the Lord. Remember ye not that when I was with you, was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Well, God's going to let some of these spirits run their course until they reveal themselves and they will be taken out of the way. 
Just don't be taken with them. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, beloved brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is my ultimate desire that you fully obtain the true spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Now I want to pose a question and I want you to consider how can you tell if a statement is full of deceit? Now there's been a great warning here in the word of God given way back when this was first established, that great warning, forewarning of what was going to happen. How can you tell now if a statement is full of deceit? I'm going to read some statements that I heard recently, I read recently, and I want you to think about it and then I'm going to clarify. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Now, doesn't, that's a com compound word. It means does not. Not means not of truth, does not. Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure depression. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure PTSD. Loving Jesus doesn't always cure anxiety. But that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't offer us companionship and comfort. He always does that. So when I heard that, right away I was pricked in my heart and I'm going, oh Lord God, this beautiful soul has been lied to. They've been deceived. They're proclaiming something they believe as a truth. So Lord, what the first question I posed was, was what is loving Jesus? First John 5, 3 and 4, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. 
and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when you're loving Jesus, the Son of God, you're loving God. And when you're loving him, you keep his commandments and you overcome the world, even with your faith. So here it's saying, if you love Jesus, it doesn't cure suicidal thoughts. It doesn't cure depression. Well, God there said, if you keep his commandments and his commandments aren't grievous and you're born of God, you overcome the world. You overcome it. When you hear a lie and it doesn't line up with the word of God, in John 8, it tells us where that lie originated from and who is speaking. So who's speaking there? Do you think God is going to counter his word? That's obviously not God that's spoken to that, that, that soul. My heart breaks for that soul. But God didn't speak that to him. Who's telling this man the truth? Who should have told this man the truth? All right, John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So who's speaking there? What spoke in this soul's ears? And what did he repeat? It didn't come from God. It absolutely came from a lie. He says that you can't, um, doesn't cure suicidal thoughts. Well, I'll tell you what a suicidal thought is. When you love, it says when loving Jesus doesn't cure it. Well, when you love Jesus, according to the word of God, you'll keep his commandments. Over in Exodus 20, verse 13, it says, thou shalt not kill. That's a commandment of God. Doesn't cure suicidal thoughts. Commandment of God does. If you obey his commandments, well, that means not killing somebody else. That's that reasoning of the natural mind. Oh no, murder is murder. No matter who you murder, no matter who you kill, whether you're killing another person, whether you're killing an unborn person, or whether you're killing yourself. I'm going to tell you what God says about your own body. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it says, What? Know ye not that your body, your own body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Doesn't belong to you. Belongs to God. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body belongs to God. You're to care for it. You're to nurture it. Exodus 20, 13 says, thou shalt not kill. You're certainly not supposed to kill it. That's murder. So what does it say about the devil? He was a murderer from the beginning. So who's he going to try to murder? You in any way he can. He's going to try and murder you and destroy you and take you right out. And how does he do that? Through your mind, through what you believe. Mm -hmm. Romans 13, 9, for this thou shalt not commit adultery, 
Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't tell a lie. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It says right there, you're supposed to love yourself, your neighbor and yourself. Mm -hmm. Over in Matthew 5, 21, it says, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. When you believe a lie, you're damned. So make sure you try the words that are coming, the words and the thoughts that are coming into your ears. Try them and see what the source is. James 2.10, it says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, all of it, not just some of it, all of it, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all of them. If, you have, if you've done everything that's lined out to do and you fail in one point, you're guilty of all of them. For he that said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. People that tender the flock, please make sure your congregation is safe. Make sure they understand how to love God, how to love themselves, and how to love one another. Don't let them fall prey to these wicked devices. Please keep them safe. All right. Well, we know where that lie originate, where all lies originate from. How do you counter an, a lie? You look up the Word of God not an altered version. See, that's another thing that the devil has done. He says, well, they're believing this book. It's got power, this written word of God. It's got power and authority. We've got to water that down because that power authority is um, doing us in. So they've changed the wording in the scripture from the original transcript. So be very careful what you're reading. I found the one that's closest is the King James Version. And that's the one that, um, as I study it out in both the Greek and the Hebrew, has the power and authority that God intended for you to have. This is what Jesus gives us as true disciples. When you truly love him, when you love Jesus, he's going to give you things. So over in Luke 10, verse 19, it says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Not even you, because you have power over it. You have power over the unruly flesh to rule over it, and he will teach you how to do it. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal. He's going to steal the truth from you, and to kill, and to destroy that's what the devil comes to do. Satan himself, the only thing he came here to do is to steal from you, steal the truth from your mind, to kill you, to kill any influence, any godly influence over your life, and to destroy. You know what he's destroying? He's destroying your eternal habitation. Because if you've broken the commandments of God, he has destroyed 
your eternal habitation, and you will be accountable for every lie that you have spoken. You'll have to give account. And every soul, the blood of every soul is upon your hands that you've lied to. So it's very, very important to be spot on and to know your word and study it out and humble yourself always and be careful before the Lord. Mm -hmm. There's no room for suicide when we walk in these scriptures and you'll see what else it chases out. Now, I'm just addressing the first thing that was noted there that loving Jesus doesn't always cure suicidal thoughts. Well, it does. If you truly love him, you keep his commandments. And as you walk with Jesus, I'm going to cover it. I'm not going to just say that and leave you with that and walk away. I'm going to give you comfort. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you power and authority. And I'm going to do it through the word of God to cure depression, to cure PTSD, to cure anxiety, all of those things. Because God gave us power over all of it. Jesus gave his disciples power and authority. That is what God is giving you today. Power and authority. I love each and every soul. I have a great love for these souls that have been um, tricked, lied to, deceived. I pray that God deliver each and every soul that's under a great deception even this day. Luke 9 verse 1, then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, the sick in every form, mentally, physically, emotionally, any type of sickness. He gave them power. We have power and authority over the devil today. This is the meaning of power, the translated meaning. It's a force, specifically miraculous power. Usually, by implication, it's a miracle itself. Ability. He gives you that ability. Abundance, meaning you get abundant ability. You get meaning given into your mind. When you know the meaning of God's word, there's power that comes with it. Might, mighty, mightily, mighty deed. Worker of miracles. Power, strength, violence. Mighty, wonderful work. That violence is where you take the authority by force, by commandment by the power and authority that God gives you through his word. He gives it to you for your deliverance, for your comfort, for your safety, and for the safety of those that you love. Authority, the translated meaning of authority in the sense of ability, it's privilege, it's a force and capacity competency, freedom, mastery, magistrate, superhuman. See, you're superhuman when you have that authority from God, which means you rule over the things of the flesh. You're more powerful than the things of the flesh. Token of control, 
delegated influence, authority, jurisdiction. You have jurisdiction over, over sin, sickness, and disease of all forms. Liberty. You are freed and liberated from them. This day, anyone that is bound or stricken by any of those things, this day in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as you believe the word of God, you are free from it. Power, right, and strength. What a wonderful thing that God does when he truly walks into your life, when his true spirit walks into your life and stays in your life when you receive him and maintain him, keep him. Over in Mark 16, verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When you take on the true belief in the true spirit of God and you drink in any lie, you won't believe it. It won't have any effect on you because you will go to God, you will pray in your tongues, he will show you his word and it will counter that lie and it'll deflect it right off. That's why no deadly thing can hurt you. Born again Christians are overcomers and get the victory. That means you have a whole new birth into Christ and I'll go into that more. But over in 1 John 5, 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith. All right, what does victory mean? The translation for victory is a conquest. You're winning. That is triumph. You're going to rejoice. Victory, absolute victory, success, conquest, the means of success, total victory, total victory. That's what God gives you. Not maybe victory, not perhaps victory, total victory. Don't settle for anything less than total victory. Victory comes through the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when you love him, you obey his commandments. He's going to give us, give you victory. He will do it. He, it doesn't say he might. It says he will do it. That's an absolute promise. So how do you obtain that victory? There are keys to it. You have to stay steadfast. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So let's break down that word steadfast. He says, be ye steadfast. Means to sit, sedentary. You're not going to move. You're sitting there, you're not going to move. That is immovable, settled, steadfast, 
unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You're standing absolutely steadfast and nothing can move you from it. No lie. No lie. Oh, you can't really be delivered of that. Yeah, it doesn't always work. Or if it just keeps coming at you again, those, those uh, depressing thoughts, those suicidal thoughts. Remember, it's coming from the air and it is not coming from God. I'm going to give you some um, a key right here. When those thoughts present themselves to you, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He'll leave. If he's trying to come at you from this direction, resist him. Come at you from that direction, resist him. Try and make you feel depressed or run down or or worn out or anything else. There's answers for that too. But the first thing you do is resist him. Say, nope, I'm not accepting those thoughts. Nope, I'm not going to go there. Nope, nope, counter it. Counter it. And I will, in a bit, I'm going to tell you how to counter it. But just counter it. And don't be moved. Nope, God gives me power over you. I don't need to listen to these kind of thoughts. I don't need to go there. Lord, and you can talk directly to the Lord. Say, Lord, lift my heart. Lift my mind. Lift my soul. Give me relief. Give me joy. Give me comfort. Go into Psalms and read through Psalms. King David knew how to do it. He knew how to get that, that comfort and that delivery from God. Oh, and just read through the Psalms. Yeah. Go pray in your tongues. Got to get them first. Got to believe in them. Ask him for it. He'll give it to you. He will. He's faithful. Our protection. What is our protection? Zechariah 2.5. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. Well, that can be you. You feel anything coming at you? Say, Lord, you be that wall of fire like Zechariah 2, 5 around me. You protect me and you deflect those things away from me. Just do it. Keep his commandments. He will do it. Here's how Jesus did it. Here's how Jesus went about. When he was here incarnate in his own fleshly body, now remember, he's gone on. He was crucified, gave that sacrifice for us. He went down into the nether parts for the three, three days and nights and, and set the captives there free. Then he ascended up. He came up and showed himself to have raised and overcome death. And then he ascended up above all the heavens and sat on the right hand of the Father in the throne of glory. And he came back again in the form of the Holy Ghost. And he's in you. And when he's in you, he's walking through. In you, he's walking through the face, through to and fro on the face of the earth. And this is how he did it. And this is how he does it today. Through you. If you believe him. And if you'll activate it. Mark 1, starting in verse 21. And they went into Capernaum. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and talked. He right away went into the synagogue and he began to teach them. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Don't be astonished at my doctrine today because it's not my doctrine. It's the Lord's. For he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. 
The scribes were the religious organizations of that day. Make sure that when you're being ministered to, that it's being ministered with the authority of God behind it to deliver you, to lift you, to heal you. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, well, there's a clue right there that something was missing. Because if you have a congregation and there's an unclean spirit in the midst, the power of authority of God isn't there. The people haven't been delivered. What was the first thing Jesus did? He cried out, verse 24, this is what that spirit cried out of a person saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee? So obviously there was more than one spirit in him. Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? Lying spirit, God didn't come to destroy. He came to deliver. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus, what did he do? When Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace, be quiet and come out of him. He, Jesus knew exactly who he was talking to. He wasn't talking to that person. He was talking to a spirit that had entered that person and was using that person's mind and voice and spoke through that person. And Jesus told that spirit to be quiet and come out of them, come out of them. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, he had to get his digs in first and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Do you notice he didn't come out without a fight? So if a spirit has got a hold, there may be a bit of a fight, but I will guarantee when the spirit of God is there and commanded it to leave, it has to leave. It fought and tore and then it cried out made its complaint, but it left. There's where you have to have patience and steadfastness and not budge. Nope, you're leaving. Nope, you're leaving. Nope, you're leaving. You are leaving. And he left. And they were all amazed. See, they'd never seen the power of God before. Insomuch they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this thing? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. See, they'd never seen the power and authority of God until this moment. Now, the, if you've never seen it, you're hearing it for the first time, rejoice and receive it. It's real. It's wonderful. And, and embrace it and make it part of your life. Receive it with gladness. Mm-hmm. All right. And they were marveling. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So they left that building and they went into um, Simon, the house of Simon and Andrew. And what happened then? But Simon's wife, wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And anon they tell him of her. So Jesus, and he came and took her by the hand. He went in and took her by the hand and lifted her up. 
and immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. He healed her right away. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased. Do you see how the people, the word went out and they began to bring to Jesus all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. Why? Because they heard the truth. They heard that there was power, actual power to deliver. Isn't that beautiful? It's here now. It's here today. It exists. It's real. And all the city was gathered together at the door. An entire city gathered at that door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Here's a key there. Don't let a devil speak. If something comes to your mind and it is not from God, it doesn't minister peace to your soul. It comes there and all of a sudden you're starting to feel run down. You're starting to feel depressed. You're starting to feel like a loser. Don't let it speak. I'm not going to receive that thought. You be quiet. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Leave. So how do you do it? How do you get this same authority that Jesus had here? I gave you a little key earlier. I'm going to go over it. Get baptized under holy hands in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for the remission of sins. All sins remitted, washed away under holy hands. I know souls that have that, those holy hands, those beautiful holy hands, and have that power and authority of God to take you down in that water for the remission of sins. Ask the Lord for that. Receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There's where that power is. That Holy Ghost is that power of God that Jesus had when he walked here on the earth. That carcass he walked around in was filled with the Holy Ghost, the power of God. When he overcame death, and he ascended up to the Father, he was then able to send that Holy Ghost down to be in flesh, to walk around in you when you let him. If you will believe him and let him and follow his commandments and take on his mind, his approach, his spirit, his authority, release that power through the, through the spoken word of God. Get in there and release that power once you, through the Holy Ghost. Voice activate it through the Holy Ghost. I am not going to receive a lie into my ears. I'm not going to receive a depressing thought. Leave my mind. All right. When you are depressed or troubled, here's what you do. Always remember. Always remember this. Luke 21, 19. In your patience, possess your souls. Be patient. Remember it said to be steadfast? Be patient. That means sit, don't move. I'm not going to be moved until I'm totally feeling great. I'm not going to be moved from that promise. Philippians 
Therefore, my brethren dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Be patient and stand fast. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice, start rejoicing. When there's a depressing thought coming to you, start rejoicing. I love you, Lord. Lord God, you're a wonderful God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving my, me your spirit. Thank you for giving me power and authority over this. Thank you for giving me the truth. Start rejoicing in him. Mm -hmm. And whether you feel joy or not, say, thank you, Lord, for giving me joy. Counter that lie with the joy of the Lord. If you've thanked him for giving it to you, then he's got to give it to you. Isn't that something? Philippians 4, starting in verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Don't let anything trouble you or get you all stressed or worried. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So anything is bothering you, go do everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. Okay, you're going you're gonna to be patient. You're going to be steadfast. You're going to rejoice. You're going to let every care go up to the Lord in prayer and supplication. Supplication is speaking in tongues. Yep. Let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall, absolute, it doesn't say might. It says shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ. Isn't that something? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things coming at you, start, get this out. Write this scripture out, have it close by you, and start thinking on everything that is stated there. Start thinking on those things. Those other thoughts won't have a chance to be anywhere near you. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall, that's promise, be with you. Do you see all of a sudden your, your mind, which is your soul, has switched gears. It's no longer thinking on those other things. It's thinking on these things. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall, that's a promise, strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. When you're waiting on him, you're praying in your tongues, you're thinking on these things, you're rejoicing in him. And you will receive that strength from God. It's an absolute promise. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Did you see that stance? And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. So it doesn't matter what kind of condition you're in, just rejoice in glory. 
We glory in tribulations. You're going through something that's trying you. Get in there and start glorying with God. Knowing why? What brings that glory? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. You're being worked over something. You have to endure and overcome and press in and counter. You're learning patience. And patience, experience. You're getting some experience in knowing how to really counteract something and experience hope. See how it's starting to build here. You're getting some patience. You're getting experience. You're growing in hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God, truly loving him, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When you've gone in there and gone the places that the Lord is taking you, through all the trials and all the different dispensations of your walk, I've known many trials. I've known many times where I've suffered incredible loss. And with patience and confidence in God, I knew that God would knit my heart up and put me back together. I've lost children that were taken too soon out of this life, but my heart did exactly what was outlined earlier. It went to God. I rejoiced in his ultimate wisdom. I rejoiced and I got everything I could from him, from every experience I've ever experienced in my life because it worketh that hope. And I was patient because I knew, I knew that God would knit my heart up. And I knew that God would walk me through the pain and replace it and heal my heart over time. And I gave God time to do it. I gave myself patience to go the places I went and the journeys I went to recover and be knit together. And I believed him. And he took me through everything and I came out stronger on the other side. And I actually, I remember actually thanking the Lord for that experience because it gave me such a deep compassion for those that have lost ones that they love. I didn't wish it for anybody. I didn't desire it for anybody. But I thank the Lord for every good thing that he gave me through all of the experiences that I experienced. I've been in situations where there's been spirits that have been a warring against my soul and fighting me and would try and rob the peace. And I would bear with it, knowing how to build my soul up and keep my soul strong no matter what came at me at any given time. And I thanked him. And I became stronger. So there is a way to journey through these things and get the victory. Every single time without fail, God honored that faith. God did knit me up. He did heal me. He did bring me sword. He did give me the authority over all of that. And it made me stronger and larger. And when I gather people into my arms, they know that I know where they are because I've been there. So I wasn't, I'm not an empty soul. I do understand it. I do know, understand what depression is. And I can see it when another is depressed. And I immediately go to God and pray for them. I'm going to read scripture about that in a bit. See, once you get these skills, these gifts, these talents, this beautiful power and authority from God, and you start incorporating it in your life, you are going to become a very valuable and successful champion for the Lord. You are servant of his. 
very wonderful place to be. Let's go over to Romans 8 and start in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. We're in this together. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. We're waiting until that moment where the Lord himself comes and gathers us up and takes us home to our reward. But we wait for the Lord to do it. We keep his commandments. We keep this temple preserved until that hour of his bidding. We don't usurp ourselves over him to try and um, leave before that hour. We allow God to be God. We allow God to have the say in our life. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then we do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's why you want that operation of the infilling of tongues and to be able to in speak out in those tongues. That's what he's talking about. The Spirit of God helps us. When we don't even know what to ask for, pray in tongues. And God, the, the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, will make intercession and he will. He knows the mind of the Spirit, goes directly to God, and he will. He's that mediator. He will intercede for us and he will give us exactly what we need. Even if we don't know what it is, he will give us exactly what we need according to the will of God. Because we're not walking in our own will. We're walking in the will of God. If you truly love him and you truly serve him, you will be doing his will, not your own. Now over in Romans 15 verse 1, it says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Remember how I said I can tell when somebody's fighting depression, if I see them in a depressed state and they're just beat down immediately. That's what a true body, if you've got a true working body of people that have that fivefold ministry active in place, you will not have an evil spirit amongst you and you will have that core group that when there is one that is afflicted, they will help you. There will be help. I immediately go before God and I pray for that soul. I pray for the Lord to lift their heart. I pray for deliverance from that spirit with power and authority, with the full confidence knowing God will do whatever I've asked him to do through that prayer because it's a righteous prayer. And I, I, ask, I pray the Lord to lift their heart and deliver them. 
You help one another. And when needed, have those scriptures that will lift their heart. Build them up. Have that seasoned word in due season. Lay hands on them. Pray over them. We help one another. When you truly have a healthy, functioning church, that's what will take place. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. You're not there for your own. You're there to help each other. If you're helping them, then they're helping you. It's, it's a perfect way that God designed his church. For even Christ pleased not himself. He didn't come here for his own edification. He came for yours. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. All the reproaches that were reproaching you, I took them. I took them. So help one another. For whatsoever things were written of aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You've got to go to those scriptures to get your hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's that fivefold ministry. What is that fivefold ministry? I'm going to tell you exactly what it is over in Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he do this? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If there's a member that's not edified, the fivefold ministry will pull together and lift that soul up till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's an interactive working. Are you feeling abandoned? Are you feeling alone? Cry out to God. Seek that fivefold ministry, that working of the fivefold ministry. You're hearing it now. You're receiving it now. You're feeling what it feels like. All right, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you always that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Don't receive it in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. Do you know today is the time accepted? And God has heard your cry. And in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Right now. Behold, now is the day of salvation, complete with power and authority, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, 
in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. That's how you get through all of those things that were listed in the verse before. See, there's a way to get through all of those things. I'm going to repeat it again. How do you get through all of those things? By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. You do it through the Spirit. Isn't that something? God will give you the keys to all of that when you press into him. In James 1 verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So go those places that you need to go. Embrace those experiences that you've had. If there may have been heartache or loss, move forward in a deeper understanding of God because he will fill those empty places. He will lift you up out of those, those places. He will mend your heart. He will help you. 2 Peter 1 verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail. That's a promise of God. He's giving you the keys. He's giving you the answers. He's telling you the way, the hope, the truth, the foundation of God to stand upon. He does have the answers. And if you will believe it, you will do it. You will never fail. So I love you all very dearly. I hope this has helped you in every way of your, in every part of your life. I know it has the power and authority to believe it and take it on. I love you and I bid you a great prosperous day in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Shall I flee from you, my Lord? 
Never shall I wander from your arms Whatever the world, I'll turn to you The safety of Ever shall my heart be fixed on you Ever shall your promises be true Counting on your faithfulness, I do Trust in you to deliver me from tribulation I'll be ever searching for you Blessed is the morning If I'm walking through it with you, Lord And the day Oh, oh, oh precious are the moments That you whisper in my eager ears, oh Lord And you say This is Get Your Love On, and my name's Julie Bueller. Thank you so much for being here. God Almighty has prepared a place for you and for me and for all those who seek him with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. I hope today's message really ministered to you. Um, You know, the Lord wants each one of us to understand how personal he is and how special each one of us are In his eyes. So we'll conclude today's show with some verses from John chapter 14. And again, you know, just a quick reminder that if you have any questions or have any prayer requests, if you want to reach out to us, this show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. We're listened to uh, from Rwanda to Russia, Japan, Australia, all over the globe. So we want to make sure that you know we're here for you. So you can go to getyourloveon.org and click the contact tab and send us a note if you would like additional scriptures, if you'd like additional Bible studies, if you have any questions at all. Or if you just want to say, hey, we love you and thanks, keep on keeping on, then that's great too. Um But, of course, that website, one more time, is getyourloveon.org. And, of course, you can contact us via social media. 
We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and then we have some wonderful videos on YouTube as well. That library is expanding every week, so be sure to check it out as much as you can. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. This, again, we, we're speaking about the power and authority of God Almighty. And here's what Christ has to say about it in John 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's John 14, verse 14. We can rest in the strength and the promises of God that as we keep his commandments, he will do it. And it says right there in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And with that, I leave you this beautiful Sunday. Again, getyourloveon.org is a wonderful reference for you. Thank you so much for being here today. And since we spent the last two hours getting our love on, let's make sure we keep our love on. Hope you have a wonderful week. Lord bless you. And again, reach out if you need anything. Our entire team is here for you. Road to righteousness tends to be long So keep your love Crack yourself a smile or sing a song But I keep my love on Man or woman, man or woman who is so down